Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 398. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ron Hughley. Ron, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yeah, I'm in the car. I'm strapped in and I, uh, I'm ready to go. All right. Ron Hughley is a curator at World of Speed Museum in Wilsonville, Oregon. At World of Speed Museum, he and his team are dedicated to education and entertainment through the celebration and preservation of motorsports. As curator at World of Speed, Ron is responsible for the entirety of the World of Speed's motorsports collection. He acquires, cares for, develops, displays, and interprets the museum's exhibits. He also works with a talented team on archiving marketing, fundraising, volunteering, and educational programs. He's raced nitro dragsters in top fuel racing, and he drives the Tiki Warrior funny car. Ron is known as the Tiki Man, right? Yes, I am. There we go. So, Ron, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about the museum, your career, and your passion for automobiles? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, the World of Speed Museum is a really exciting new uh, motorsports museum here in Wilsonville, Oregon. Uh, We opened back in April uh, of of this year, 2015, and uh, we celebrate all forms of motorsports, uh, from cars uh, to motorcycles to, to hydroplanes and boats, whether it's drag racing, NASCAR, land speed, open wheel racing, you know, SCCA. We, we try to cover everything that we can and uh, educate and entertain people with the history through, you know, through celebration and preservation of that of that racing history. As far as myself, uh, basically, I've uh, I spent about uh, 49, 50 years uh, training for this position. <laughs> I've been around racing all my life, uh, as you kind of alluded to. Uh, worked um, worked in a top fuel team for about six years, and uh, now I'm driving the, uh, the Nostalgia Double B Funny Car, the Tiki Warrior car that uh, people see out um, at West Coast events, and then a couple of back on the East Coast as well. Very cool. Well, you know, one of my previous guests, Diane Brandon, who's a judge at Pebble Beach, visited your museum about a month ago, and she goes, oh, you got to talk to these guys. This is an awesome place. She lives in Oregon, and she'd not been there before, and she was so excited about it. That's why I wanted to get you on the show, so I really appreciate you being here. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. 
It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ron, the Christmas tree is lit up. Take the wheel. Well, I guess as far as the success quote, something that was uh, instilled to me by my grandfather, who was a great mentor for me, was, you know, the, the old adage, if at first you don't succeed, try try again. <laughs> and through racing, that's basically, uh, that's kind of been how it has been for me. I've, I've, uh, I've been up to the plate a couple of times, and, and we've had to, had to step back and, and take another look at it. But I keep trying, and I keep pitching at it, and, um, you know, now here within the last eight years, we've had a really successful run with the, with the funny car, and um, I'm looking forward to more success with that. Awesome. Well, keep swinging that bat, as they say. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you remember it in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? You know, to, to pinpoint one pivotal moment, it's going to be pretty tough. Only from the standpoint, I've been around, uh, I've been around cars and racing my entire life. Uh, my first drag race I went to, I was three months old. It was at uh, Arlington, Washington. My dad was uh, was involved with a gentleman named Joe Coletti. Joe Coletti had a Chrysler Plymouth dealership in Hillsborough, Oregon, and he ran stock eliminator cars and super stock. And I was there on a daily basis from my my early early childhood. And, uh, you know, just in and out of Coletti's and, and hanging around there as a five-year-old kid, four-year-old kid, seeing things that, you know, most other kids really didn't get exposed to unless they were actually in racing, that really, really kind of cemented it for me. And uh, and then, you know, probably the first time, first time I was really up close and personal with a funny car was, uh, was with Twig Ziegler when he had bought the car that... Uh, had gotten the trailer fire from Ed McCullough, and he he was about a mile from my grandparents' house there in Hillsborough, and I just go over there, and and Twig said he either grab a wrench and or grab a rag and clean something or get out of the way, and so I <laughs> uh, I figured I better start, and that and that was um, I've just been around it my whole life, so I I knew I mean uh, my mother she wrote my baby book uh, all he wants to do is is play with cars and 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 go racing, and so it's it's just always been there, and I I just never. I've never had a moment in my life where they haven't been part of it. <laughs> and about 50 years later, you're still playing with cars. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 50, uh, my uh, my my ex-wife, she said, you know, when are you going to stop playing with cars? You're never going to go anywhere. You got to grow up and quit playing with cars. And and uh, by God, I'm not going to grow up. I'm enjoying playing with cars, and I'm going to do it in, until I I basically can't. <laughs> Good for you, cars. Yeah, that's the way to go. So, Ron, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and get our hands a little dirty, something you're certainly not afraid of doing, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame that situation. What did it teach you? What did you learn from it? You know, kind of looking back and thinking about this a little bit, my father and I, we were endeavoring to put together an injected nitro dragster in the uh, late 90s, and um, uh, we were very close to getting it finished, and my mother contracted cancer, and mm. we had to sell the family business, and um, and so that basically went away, and um, I got it. I stayed involved. That was when I went to work on Al Hartley's top fuel car, and I, I basically... You know, I realized, you know, all I wanted to do was drive from the time I was a little kid. I wanted to drive funny cars. I wanted to drive nitro cars. And I realized, you know what, I've got to take a second look at this and just be involved in it and do the things. You know, I love the track. I love being out there. It's my family. 
and um, and just look at it from a different aspect. And so, even though I had to kind of give up that driving aspiration in the late 90s, I uh, still stuck with it and uh, went drag racing on the circuit for a while. And and then drag racing got to be really a challenge. It was really a grueling job when you're out there on the road. And, and all you basically do is sit, sit in a pit and work on a race car and then go up and have to go back. And it got to be kind of, I lost kind of my excitement for drag racing. And, mm-hmm. and I really was thinking is what am I going to do? You know, drag racing has been my life. And I came back home here to, to Portland and, and got a job working for a gentleman on a stock car team and, and went about it in a different way. And, um, but I always just realized, you know, one door closes, another one opens, and just got to be available for that. And through that, I partnered up with uh, with my car owner and uh, that I'm driving for now, the Tiki Warrior, and we created something that was really really special. And and it's just been uh, it's just been an absolute blessing in my life. I've got to make some great friends. Hot Wheels, Mattel made a car based on the Tiki Warrior. No and, way, uh, cool. And so you know, it was just it just basically always being available and realizing whatever comes your way think about it and make the best decision you can at the moment and take it and accept that and uh, basically live life with no regrets just keep pushing forward uh absolutely pedal to the metal well first and foremost thanks for sharing a very personal story my my heart goes out to you for the loss of your mom to cancer i've lost family members to cancer we're fighting it in our family right now it's just a Horrible, horrible, dreaded disease. It seems to affect everybody, but I'm so happy that you found a new path back into your passion for racing and for cars. That's that's really, really nice. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum, Ron. I'd love for you to share what I like to say is a career aha moment. It's a time when the headlights come on and, and kind of illuminate your way for this new direction that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. You know, we were, uh, I think when it really kind of dawned on me was we were at a race and I, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunities I have and I, and I, I share them with, you know, bring kids into the pits, you know, try and put them in the, in the funny car if they want to and talk with them. I'm a student of history. I love reading about it. I love whether, you know, all forms of racing and, uh, I talk with people about things, you know, whether it's our race car or another form of racing, and the car owner was standing there and he said, he said, man, you're just a natural at this. You like talking about this and people, you know, you're warm to people about it and uh, you're knowledgeable. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, yeah, this, I, I really, yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is kind of my passion. And, you know, at the time I was working in the composite industry, I was building composite race cars for a company here in Portland called Store Racing. And the composite world's not the most healthiest world for you. And uh, when the uh, when the opportunity presented itself and the museum was uh, in the planning stages and we were getting ready to do some stuff, I said, you know what, I don't care if I have to push a broom. I, I, that's where I need to be, and I want to be sharing that history. It's just uh, it's just blossomed and, and grown since. <laughs> I love it. What a wonderful story. Absolutely fantastic. And I love the attitude of even if I've got to push a broom, I want to be a part of this. And uh, that's how you get your foot in the door. That's how you get involved. And that's how you end up in really fun positions like you have. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out for you? Well, I guess on the um, on the racing side, the whole uh, year of 2011 was probably our crowning achievement. We were virtually undefeated in the funny car. 
we went back to Bowling Green, Kentucky. We won the NHRA Hot Rod Reunion in the 7.0 Pro class, which is an incredibly difficult class. Um, and the, to, to slow the funny car down to go seven seconds when we're used to running six and a half seconds, it's a it's a bit of a challenge. And um, you know that just we won the championship in the Northwest Double B Funny Car Association. Uh, we were just it was a really fantastic year in 2011, and that racing wise is probably one of the crowning achievements. And but as far as my career, I would have to say just the the museum opening, getting getting the doors opened. You know, having 95 vehicles on the floor for people to see, and um, you know the challenge, the challenge of getting getting those vehicles here to the museum. You know that was uh, that was for for a guy who uh, who I, I always tell people I'm a race car driver that's a curator in training. <laughs> I like it. So I'm still I'm still learning the curation business, and uh, I like to defer to the professionals that have been doing it for a number of years and and get some advice from them. It's it's a it's always a challenge, but getting the museum open and, and keeping it open and keeping people excited and trying to keep it fresh. That's probably career wise, my, my, my happiest moment. Yeah. You know, I've heard the same thing. I've had several curators and directors of museums here on cars. Yeah. Scott Keller from LeMay and Fred Simeon from of course the Simeon foundation and Leslie Kendall from the Peterson. And they're about to open their new museum here. And Aaron <laughs> Workington from Auburn Corp Muse. Uh, Duesenberg Museum. I mean, all of them have had very similar comments to yours. The work and effort to get the museum open, get new exhibits up, but the, how that feels when those people walk through the door and the smiles are on their faces. Uh, it's a huge amount of work, but uh, kudos to you and your team for pulling it off. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Ron. What was your first really special car? And I'll say it could be a race car too, but the first one that you really went, wow, I'm finally somewhere with this. This first car is really fun. And maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Oh, it was my first car. is a 73 Forty Cuda. Um, <laughs> cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Mopar guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that was from the beginning at Coletti's back in, you know, the late 60s and early 70s. I, I, do, I do have other makes, you know, um, that I do enjoy. Uh, you know, from the Chevrolet, you know, from General Motors. And uh, I've got, you know, a couple couple ones from the Ford Mark that I like as well. But, I, it, you know, my standalone, my, my go-to has always been the Mopar Mark. And, and I was uh, 15 years old. I worked really hard. And uh, this would have been right in the uh, late uh, spring of uh, or late summer of 19, uh, 1979, mm-hmm. or I mean 1980. Uh, neighbor had their CUDA that they just put out in their driveway with a for sale sign. And this was on a weekend. It was a Saturday night. And I, my dad says, you got to earn your money. You got to, I'm not giving you anything. I said, well, just give me a check and I'll pay you on Monday when the <laughs> bank opens. Yeah. So he wrote a check for that and we went over and got that car. And I was, you know, I was, I took my drive, my, my driver's license test in that, my behind the wheel and, nice. and, um, love that car. Yeah. But, you know, as all things go and when you're a young kid, you know, you have a lot of fun with it and then you realize, hey, there's a, there's a, something bigger and better and <laughs> yeah. there was a 67 gtx 440 car that i had to have and so i sold my cuda and um i regret that's probably that's probably the one that got away uh well that was going to be my next question you know when i was a little kid my parents were looking to buy a car and we ended up in a, a car lot looking at a brand new barracuda now this was back in the 60s and those first yeah. barracudas were those big giant rear windows and 
Yep. I remember my sister and I crawling back there and laying down and looking up at the stars thinking, this is really cool. And of course, my I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad that wanted that car, but one of them was sitting there going, this is totally impractical for a family car. What are we looking at this for? And I think we we ended up with a uh, Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser station wagon. So. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. not quite as cool, but it did have those kind of interesting windows up on the top so that my sister and I could look out our own little skylights when we we're in the back seat. My first car that I ever remember being in was my mom. My mom and dad had purchased, uh, uh, right after I was born, they purchased a, a 65 Barracuda Formula S. And, wow. And I, I remember, I remember, like you said, they would put me, we would go to the drive-in and mom and dad would sit and watch the drive-in and I'd lay in the back and look out that big back window. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, no, that's, those things were, very formative. We went from that to the GTX, and then from the GTX, they got a 70, 70 CUDA, and and uh, the 70 CUDA is, you know, that's um, that's probably the that's the one that's uh, that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Well, that was my next question about seller's remorse. Is that the car that got away that you really wish you had back in the garage? Yeah, that car got away. I followed it. I actually about 12 years ago I found the car. Uh it hadn't changed, but one of the I the person that I had sold it to, I kind of found them through uh another mutual friend and they said that they'd sold the car back in 94, 95 and I kind of chased it down a little bit and uh I found the car and the person that has it they they refused to sell the car. So oh, well. I, I still got that floating offer out there that, that if they sell this thing, that they won't need to contact me. I mean, that was, I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't as a professional drag racer or, or a drag racer, I, I don't condone street racing, but I, I got to admit that I did it as a kid. And that was one of the, that was my first street race was in that car. And my first pass down a drag strip was in that car. So it's got a lot of great memories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, times have certainly changed and things have changed. So again, here, kids out there, no street racing, take it to the track, yeah. stay safe. Definitely. Please. But uh, yeah, please, please stay safe out there. How about current projects? I, I'd love for you to share with our listeners this latest exhibition that you've got going on at the museum. Uh, I believe it's Women in Racing, correct? Yeah, I've got a couple of a couple of projects that are on the on the um, on the forefront right now, and and it's just wrapping up. Uh, actually, you talk about the team that we have here, uh, Katrina O'Brien. She's kind of my counterpart. She works in the archive side, and uh, she's really kind of spearheaded and, and took on this new exhibit we got. It's called Women in Racing. We, you know, we we celebrate all forms of racing here, and one of the things that kind of was brought to our attention by a number of people that came in is, do you have any exhibit for women or mm -hmm. anything about women? And we we got to talk in here after you know two or three months of being open, and we said, hey, let's uh, we need to see if we can jump on this. This is kind of a good idea, and because there's so many women in so many forms of motorsports, and uh, not even just drivers, but we've got car owners, we've got people from that that work behind the scenes, whether it's in you know sanctioning bodies that that we kind of need to recognize and 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 um, and give a little um, a, a little bit of a attaboy or a salute to. And so we worked hard on this. Um, we're going to be debuting it. It will be unveiled Saturday morning here at the World of Speed at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's called Women in Racing. And we're hopefully what we're the plan with this exhibit is, is that about every 9 or 10 months we'll rotate out and put five new gals, four or five new gals in, in the exhibit. And uh, 
for the first segment. We've got five women that we're going to be celebrating, and Cindy Lux is kind of our focal point of it. She's going to be here. She has been so kind. She drives a Mopar, a Dodge Viper, and we've got her car that will be on the floor. We'll unveil that at the same time, and she's going to come out and speak to speak to the folks and be out here to sign autographs. We also have um, Lynn St. James. We've got some some artifacts from Lynn, and Lynn's been kind enough to help out with the exhibit and, and tell a little bit of her story. Marsha Miller and um, Courtney Force and Betty Birkeland round out the exhibit. So we've got five great females in racing, and people can kind of come down. And, and then we've got uh, – we just kind of talk about all the other – you know, briefly highlight all the other women that have been involved in it. And so in a year or so, hopefully, we'll um, we'll have five new gals that we could put up there and uh, celebrate their uh, accomplishments. You know, like you said, you know, you talked about having Denise McCluggage there's so many other women um, that have been involved in racing that uh, have kind of um, kind of gone unnoticed that that need to be recognized. So that's the part. That's the purpose of this exhibit. Yeah, it's so great that you're doing that. You know, the the automotive industry seems to be very heavily weighed towards uh, men, but I've had some great women racers on the show here. You mentioned Lynn St. James been on Lisa Noble, who's the head of the SCCA. She races. Cars, uh, the late Denise McCluggage, of course, I had the honor of having her on the show. Uh, we, I mentioned our pre-show chat, uh, Rochelle and Rhonda, who are Excel's racing team. They do rally racing in Morocco. And, and I've had others, and I love it when I can get women on the show. I think your exhibit's going to be fantastic. It'll bring, hopefully, a whole new group of people into your museum that didn't ever think about going before, and maybe some young women, some young girls that can look up to these women and say, gosh, you mean I could do that too? It's not just a sport for guys. Absolutely. That's, that's, uh, you know, with our, you know, with our mission statement here of educate and entertain, you know, that's part of it. We're educating uh, a lot of people about these, um, women that have, have contributed to the, to the world of motorsports. You know, we're, we're uh, celebrating what they've, what they've accomplished in their life. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully we can, maybe I, maybe I can, uh, come across a car that we need to preserve. You know, some of the other things that we've got going on, you asked about some other exciting things that are coming up. Mm-hmm. We do also, you know, we we have done uh, three or four um, restorations. We've preserved some cars. I have a, a a top fuel car out of the Northwest from 1961, the Norton and Osgood top fuel car that uh, we're just about wrapped up with the restoration on. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because back then there was uh, the fuel ban. NHRA had, had instituted a ban on nitromethane and, and, most all, all the tracks around the United States that had um, observed that fuel ban, but there was a few few tracks up and down the West Coast that decided that you know nitromethane was way more popular for their racing. And, and uh, up here in the Northwest, uh, Ed Norton, he was a long proponent of it, and he built a top fuel car that went 188.93 miles an hour oh, in, wow. 19, in 1961. 61. Will, in 1961. Wow. Yes. And uh, we've got the car. We're just about wrapped up with the restoration on it. I'm excited about it because, you know, it's, it was, you know, the Northwest, I feel, a lot of times was overlooked in some great history, whether it's a drag racing or, or IndyCar. And um, uh, this car was a, was a pretty, uh, pretty hot car out of the Northwest that would go down to California and would scare a lot of them. So <laughs> I'm really excited about, really excited about getting that car done, and we'll probably have it on the floor 
next spring is when I, I look to have that car out there. Very cool. I love it. Well, and I'll remind our listeners, too, another great guest in the drag racing world that I've had the pleasure of talking to is uh, Don Garlitz. Big Daddy Don Garlitz has been on the show, and he was a, a real fun to talk to. And up here in uh, the area I live in, Seattle, Gig Harbor, Pacific Northwest, the Pacific Raceway has a great drag strip and great drag events up here as well, just like you guys do. I race down at your track down there and, and up here, so... Great fun. Well, Ron, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at metrovac.com. Use discount code carsya 20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at carsya.com slash sponsors. Okay, Ron, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You know what this means? I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Shut up and listen. <laughs> Plain and simple. I just talked to uh, Hurley Haywood, who's going to be a guest here uh, tomorrow, actually, on Cars, yeah. And he said the same thing. He raced for Porsche for over 40 years, and one of his early mentors said, if you're going to have a long career with Porsche racing, just drive really hard, do your best, and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and yeah. It seems to have worked for him. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was, uh, when I was uh, early on with the top fuel car, and and I was trying to figure things out, and and uh, Actually, Connie Kalita was just, I was talking with him on, we were sitting at the staging lanes and I said, you know, I just, I want to learn. He goes, if you want to learn, just do this. Shut up and listen. (laughs) (laughs) It's great advice. Yeah. Great advice for a lot of people. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Have to be my passion for history. You know, I just, uh, I, anything I can get my hands on and read or look at or, or, or listen to concerning you know, automotive racing history, I, I just fascinates me. Um, I've always said I think I was born 20 years too late, but in some regards, I, I think I was I was born at the right time because I get to I get to find out about all this great history and talk to some of the people that were there. Yeah, but I would just my passion for history is probably what's helped me the most with this job. Well, absolutely. In this day and age, we have so many great resources, and that's a great segue to my next question for you. How about one resource that you're really fond of that you think our listeners would enjoy as well? Boy, that's tough. You know, I I, I got to thinking. I I I reach on so many things. As far as a print deal, I I really do uh, enjoy what uh, the Rotter's Journal has out there um, for me as far as the racing you know some racing history and and some hot rod history but i would have to go with basically with personal friends Mm. um i've been fortunate enough to make make friends with some really great people that have uh, experienced things in their life you know they're a little bit older than i am 
and they've been really good mentors. And I have a question, I ask them. I don't hesitate. I don't. I don't ever think there's a stupid question. And I mean, my resource honestly is is you know good personal friends, Pete Eastwood, Mark Montanos, Walter Goodwin. Um, you know, all of these guys, uh, Greg Sharp, a curator down at the NHRA Museum, um, you know, they, they've all been uh, really, really helpful in, in answering questions. Leslie Kendall, you know, the curator to Peterson, I've talked to him a few times. We've talked about some things. Mm-hmm. And and developing those relationships, um, it's it's good for both people, and that's that's the best resource I could have. Absolutely. People are great. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy? Boy, you know, um, I'm getting ready for our new exhibit, which will debut next uh, June, which is uh, the Indian, for the Indianapolis 500. I've got a lot of indie stuff that I'm reading, and it's just I'm kind of on overload. You know, the Brock Yates book, uh, the Indianapolis 500, it's an older publication, but it's fair. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, that's definitely uh, – I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, Brock Yates is a good author, and, and uh, he's a car guy. I mean, he can he can write, but he's a car guy. You know, there's a, a series done by um, Ludvigsen. I think that's how you pronounce the person's name. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Carl Ludvigsen. He's got this great series of books on the cars. You know, from going all the way back from the first race up through the up through the eighty up to night up to the eighties, and. Uh, just some facet, some fascinating reading when you start looking at some things. Um, any of those have been have been real good. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Ron has shared with us today at carsyad.com. Ron Hughley, his last name is spelled H-U-E-G-L-I. You can also go to another great place on the Cars Yeah website, Guest Recommended Books, with real easy links to this these books and all the other books the past guests have recommended here at Cars Yeah. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, <laughs> I, I, my whole, I mean, I spend, I tr- try to spend every waking moment with the, you know, with, with cars, but, um, you know, I, I'm a movie guy. I do enjoy sitting down and relaxing and watching a good movie in the evening every once in a while. Um, I do enjoy reading about World War II history. So that's always been a fascination for me. So I, I guess my hobby would be maybe watching movies. <laughs> there you go. I, I enjoy a good movie, whether it's a, it's a good like Spectre that we just saw over the weekend, or or uh, something as, as as goofy as Step Brothers. I, I enjoy a lot of them. There you go. Otherwise, it's cars, cars, cars for Ron. And it is, and 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 you know, you can't if you're gonna. T- you know, I, I still throw the cars in there too. I, I every year I gotta watch Le Mans. I gotta watch Grand Prix. And I got to watch, you know, all, all the other car movies that go along with that as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're on. We're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If there was one collector car that you could have in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'll buy you anything, even if it's in a museum, what would that one vehicle be and why? Uh, a 1968 Barracuda BO29 car. The B029 is the VIN, the start of the VIN numbers. Uh, that was a car that was especially built. They they built 53 of them uh, for Hearst uh, commissioned cars. They were super stock cars. They are probably truly the ultimate built race production car that was ever. I mean, they were low numbers for drag racing. 68 Barracudas. They had fiberglass front ends. They had special glass that was made by Owens Corning that was only an eighth of an inch thick. I mean, you had to be—you had to hold the window when you shut it, otherwise they would break. These cars in 1968, when they first were tested at Irwindale, right off of the trailer, they went a 
they went at 1069. Back then, those were unreal numbers. And this goes back to my childhood. We uh, Joe Coletti had got a BO29 car in there, and I remember seeing that car, and it was just, you know, it was a classic line. I love the fastback look of the Barracuda of that era. The cars are just, there's, they're virtually impossible to find now. They've been raced and raced and raced, and and they're the only car that I can think of between those and the Hemi Darts. Those are the only ones that NHRA has specifically given a special event for at the U.S. Nationals, their premier race. Wow. That uh, that speaks to the um, the importance of the car and the significance of it. Uh, there was not a faster until now with some of the turbo and the technology they've got out now is fantastic. It's absolutely incredible what they're doing with the Copo Camaros and the Drag Pack Challengers and the, and the Mustangs. But um, these BO29 cars, they're, they're so few and far between that uh, if there was a real BO29 car that was on, that we could verify, I'd take it in a heartbeat over over anything. Well, well, you have selected a very unique and special car. That's going to be tough for me to find, but I'm going to do everything I can to get one of those in your garage. Very, very cool. And thanks for all that history on the, the BO29. Very, very cool. Well, Ron, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the drag strip in that Barracuda BO29? You know, I would just say follow your passion, whatever it is. Be open to anything that comes to you and realize that it could potentially open a door down the road to something that um, you're looking forward to that you never considered, such as my job as a curator of a museum. I had never, ever considered being that. But uh, just be open and listen and um, don't ever second-guess yourself. Just push forward and uh, follow your Follow your passion. Follow your dreams. Great words of wisdom. I've always said that good fortune and good luck comes when you're uh, very well prepared and opportunities arise. So sounds like that was how you ended up in a great position that you're in there curating. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the museum? Well, I encourage everybody to go to the, the World Wide Web. Go to uh, worldofspeed.org. That's www.worldofspeed.org. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, World of Speed USA. There's some hashtags and some other things. I'm, I still am learning all of that other electronic <laughs> stuff, the Twitter. But, but you can find those things out there. And uh, of course, we always encourage you, encourage everybody if they're if they're uh, close by, to to come visit us. And um, uh, here at the World of Speed, we're open uh, Tuesday through through Sunday from 10 to 5. Let our listeners know about how far is Wilsonville from Portland in case they've got a business trip or a trip into Portland. How easy is it to get to your museum from Portland? We're really easy to get to. We're right off of the I-5 between exits 286 and 283. We're just about a couple miles south of uh, the 205 I-5 interchange here in Wilsonville, Uh, about 15 minutes from the heart of downtown Portland, uh, about 30-minute drive from the Portland airport. So you can't... uh, you can't miss us. We're right on the freeway. When you drive by the freeway, you look over to the west side of I-5 between those two exits, you're going to find us, and you're going to be able to look through the window, and you're going to be able to see the Daytona wall with the four four Daytona um, Winston Cup cars up on that wall at the 31 degrees of banking. Very cool. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Ron shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Ron Hughley. 
And I encourage you to go to the website, and if you're in the Portland area or anywhere near there, check out the museum. It's going to be well worth your while. Ron, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road or down the drag strip. Well, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure uh, visiting with you and uh, talking to all your your, uh, guests. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.